Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. That's the Johnny McKegg band. This is the Piffles podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, my name is Alex. And I'm annoyed we gave Greg way too much power and I can't be at Swagamod. It was and better than I the am... other name. Oh, no, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Strevamod. Because that's a classic. And I'm I'm glad we're here to talk about the greatness of Chris Trevler because that's what this episode's all about is Chris Trevler. Surprise, Steve. It's just, it's just we, a we, stand we, episode. Yeah, we, we, we've it's got a guest lined up later. Trevler, it'll be the shortest episode ever. We, we got a guest lined up later. I, I guess I let that out of the bag. Uh, Piffles Podcast, of course. Your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. I'm at Real Alex D. You can find me at Safamod. And as always, I do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. And that's on Blue Sky. That's on Mastodon. That's on everywhere. <laughs> Twitter is not because Twitter cannot exist anymore, apparently. I'm also on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere at Greg on Sports. That seems like an awful lot of work to uh, post memes. Uh, I no, no one says I'm doing anything there yet. I'm just I have them because Twitter is a tire fire that's about to crash into the sea. Fair point. Check us out on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Piffles Podcast and the website PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Um I don't even know where to start this week since there was no game to recap, but uh, let's do the opening kickoff. All right, so Riders had the bye last week. Um, Good news, they didn't lose, but they're losing players still in this bye week. I don't know how that was possible. The only thing I wanted them to do was get healthy, and that's not the case. Um, we'll run down really quick just over some practice updates over the last couple of days. Um, full disclosure, we're doing this on Tuesday night, so there's still one more day of practice, but we know a couple guys that are going to be out. Um, the good news, back, running back Frank Hick- Frankie Hickson, um, going to basically solidify that running back, that running game with uh, Jamal Morrow, so having that one-two punch to me, that's a big thing right now, especially with the injuries to the receivers that we have. Definitely the Morrow Hickson one, two punch, even though they're not really a thunder lightning as how you usually like to have two running backs like that. But Morrow definitely, I don't know if he came in bigger this year, but he seems to have more of that uh, bulldozer effect while Hickson is being more of a scat back this year. Um, it's great to have him back. And I think they're going to run wild on the Elks on uh, Thursday. It's great to have Hickson back, but I can't be the only one who is enjoying watching Jamal Morrow 
have complete control over the running game. Dude is an absolute beast. And I'm looking forward to his fourth quarter runs when he's actually got all the energy from not having to play all game. He's been one of the best players in the league all season long so far. A uh, couple or to help that running game, fullback Albert Awachi uh, is going to be back on the defense. Defensive line, Demarcus Christmas will be back this week. Um, and Jaden Dalkey as well, uh, starting safety. So that will uh, kind of shore up that defensive backfield. Um, Revis able to kind of float around, move wherever, and just have that extra Canadian starter back is is a massive thing for the Riders this week. I'm glad Dalkey's back. That defense plays feels like it plays more physical when he's back there and that's like on what on a game and a half that he only got so far this year plus preseason it just seems different with him in the lineup than it has been under um lacombo and the rotation of revis as well the the stamps were not even a little bit afraid about throwing over the middle last week it'll be great to have that big dalky energy back leading the from the safety position big dalky energy is that going to be the next shirt? Because I will buy that. I think so. Greg, get on it. Go on. It'll That's sell a amazing. lot better than the goddamn Greg was right shirts. They haven't even hit the market yeah, yet. Be, you don't know that yet. There's going to be like two guys that buy that shirt. Okay. Greg and his dad? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, my, my dad doesn't want to admit that I'm right. He's a bomber fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with the good news of these guys returning, there is the bad news of who's out. Um, offensive line, we got to start with the center. Peter Godber is going to be out. And I mean, I'm not totally upset about that because we have Logan Bandy that can step right in. And with Logan Bandy getting all those starts last year, that has me a little bit less worried than it would have been if he was just kind of a rotational player last year. Definitely. Bandy taking all that live fire last year is going to help him. I want to know how Godber went from illness to broken hand and or whatever hand anyway not necessarily broken i guess just hand issue in two days um it's just it's weird how they're playing with the injury report this year uh but yeah somebody uh somebody might have had a mistype on the transaction report on day one and just decided not to credit or not to edit it afterwards but at the same time uh, you don't want to see Godbear go down. Like we are already kind of scraping the barrel for uh, O-line depth as it is. So I, I'm not worried about Bandy in there, but I hope this does not continue because we're going to be talking about another O-line that who we don't know what his status is right away. Well, that's, that's just it. It's not about Godbear at all. It's it's about the O-line as a whole. We're, we're down Hawkins. We're down Godbear. We can only take so much before you start to see that porous nature from last year shine through again. That's a that's a concern, not so much the individual guys. Yeah, and then that other individual is going to be Colin Kelly, who's on the questionable uh, status right now. So we'll probably find out on Wednesday when walkthrough happens and the depth chart comes out what his status officially is. Um, but also out on the offense. Did he take his vitamins? Colin Kelly? Yes. He was suspended for a couple of games. Yes, he was. I I was waiting for a Hulk Hogan joke there somewhere. Could have been. Brother. Uh, Jake Winicky going to be out as well. 
um, from this game. So outriders are out who is now their fourth receiver who we thought was probably going to be their number two receiver going into the season uh, with the play of the other guys. He's number four, but still another guy that um, Trevor Harris has confidence in not going to be available. And it just means another rookie is going to come in and get his place. Uh, collegiate Lipscomb off the practice roster was getting his reps in practice. So we'll see how that goes, I guess. I'm not overly concerned. If this was game one, I'd be freaking out because Winicky was expected to be our number two receiver. But with the emergence of Jones, uh, I'm not as concerned. Obviously, uh, we're, we're taking a beating on the receivers as well this year. Uh, but for a while there, I thought Winicky's going out with frying pan hands because that dude just can't seem to catch a ball this year. Everything that hits him, it just falls right off of him. He went from being that that really exciting guy that we were all pumped about from from the preseason signings to eh, if he misses maybe a game off, I'll do him some good. There's been several guys that have absolutely surpassed him on the depth chart through three games. And he's a veteran. That's not a good sign for him for his longevity here. So maybe a game watching from the sidelines might be the uh, the antidote to his frying pan hands, as you called it. Well, you got to think Walker's going to be back. KSB's coming back. The emergence of Emelis and Jones. He's gonna he's gonna be a rotational player at this point. Like, and plus got Lenius out there too. Like, we've got a lot of good receivers that are banged up and not playing. So where Winicky is going to be come Labor Day is anyone's guess. Other guys that are questionable going into this game, um, there's no official word on either of them. Likely going to play Anthony Lanier and uh, defensive back Roland Milligan. Uh, they missed the first uh, day of practice, um, back practicing, but there's no official des- designation on him yet assuming that they're going to play, which is huge because, I mean, Milligan had that pick, which was almost a touchdown last week uh, that set up a touchdown. And Micah Johnson, I mean, being one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Um, and for a team that's, this leads us into kind of the next topic coming up here, needs some pass rush. A lot of people are talking about that. So we're going to talk about that as well. Having him available, obviously, is a big help. Roland Milligan is by far our best defensive back. He was last year almost as a straight rookie. If he didn't play like one game the previous year, he would have been a rookie last year. Um, and he's just getting better and better. I This this dude's a stud, and he's going to be a star in this league. Um, having Lanier and um, Johnson back is definitely going to keep our defensive line. But, yeah, you're right. They're underperforming. You got Robertson, Johnson. Uh, Lanier and a rotation of uh, Christmas and Brown and um, De Beer. Where's the pressure? Like this makes no sense. Like Corn Pop should be running around. Problem is Corn Pop running around last year is what screwed us at the end last year. And that pass rush. So five sacks in the first game against Edmonton, which I mean, maybe the, the remedy is facing Edmonton again this week. Um, only had one in that game against Winnipeg, and that was on the very last play of the first half, which was a Hail Mary that just Claros just, he had time, um, but it just kind of broke down and and he just took a sack at the end of the 
end of the half, there was no, nothing against Calgary. Now they did get some pressure against the Stamps. It's, I'm not going to say that they didn't get anything because um, there was those passes that were forced by Jake Mayer uh, due to the pressure, which resulted in interceptions. But it's not consistent, and I really thought it would be with this team. So maybe the remedy, like I said, is playing Edmonton again this week. But it's it's starting to get a little worrisome. I'm not too terribly worried yet. Worried yet, but once you start facing these, you know, better teams, Calgary again next week, then you have BC and Toronto uh, the following two weeks after that. Then you you, you kind of need that pass rush. Looking at it, it's well. First of all, I tried looking up the uh, defensive stats today. Good luck, CFL. Thanks CFL.ca. Like even, I can't even find the passing stats because I knew going into this week, Harris and uh, Morrow were leading in both rushing and passing. And I knew that BC was probably going to pass them. Could, couldn't confirm that. Can't not there. Non-existent. You can hit the PDF button and it takes you to the 2022 stats. Thanks CFL.ca. Um, but yeah, like this pass rush isn't what we thought it was going to be. Like I'm hoping they can kind of pick it up, but at the same time, the defense isn't looking terrible. Sacks don't make a good defense. Um, like I see people saying, "Oh, we should get." Sh-. I've actually saw people say we should sign Sean Lemon because we're not getting the pressure. The fact that he's still out there still blows my mind, despite my differences with him. But you know, um, I I wouldn't be opposed to Sean Lemon. Only in, in the sense that he just pa- he just pass rushes. He's going after the quarterback. And when you look at what the Riders have been doing, Pete Robertson's actually been dropping back in coverage quite a bit. And I don't know why you're taking your best pass rusher and you're dropping him back as often as he is. Um, someone on Rider fans actually made a really good comment about the first three games after re-watching them. They're running a lot of stunts. They're lo- running a lot of um, you know different looks. I said it's time to keep it simple, stupid. Just rush the quarterback. Just have your four best guys and go because just they have four really good rushers. And let's see that happen. Don't do the stunts. <laughs> the stunts didn't work against Calgary because Calgary has a quick throw offense. So when you're facing those kind of teams, just get after the quarterback. It's absolutely perplexing to me to, to watch guys of the talent that we've got on that defensive line not managed to get to the quarterback. Greg said he wasn't really all that worried. I don't know if it was Greg or Alex wasn't all that worried. I am. I'm very concerned, mostly because it's not just that we're not getting the sacks. They're not getting the pressure. They're not getting anything to go along with it. And yeah, the DBs and the linebackers are solid and they've been playing great defense. But when that starts to break down, you need that pressure and they haven't had that yet. And that's a that's a concern to me going against some of these stronger teams that we're going to face over the next three to six games. I'm just glad this year we haven't had anyone run all over us. We've actually been very competent on the run defense, which is usually our Achilles heel. Cause usually you get that team against us and they just hammer the ball and we can't do anything. Uh, this year seems that there is a concerted effort to keep your Olivieras in check, which I'm happy about. So if it takes less sack numbers, 
okay as long as you're right though as long as the linebackers and the dbs hold their ground we're fine all right and one more uh thing on the riders here right now really quick um assigning a receiver jareth stearns uh joins the team gonna be on the practice rosters i was kind of questioning what's gonna like why would you bring in another receiver but now that we know that jake winicky's out it does make sense so they're just kind of filling that body on the practice roster while they can uh winicky will go to the injured list and that frees up that spot there um but we touched on this last week and and greg you made a really good point about it but this past week being Canada Day, being Canada Day weekend, the more and more I thought about it after this show, the more and more I might have to buy the stupid friggin' t-shirt. Greg was right about having four games. and it I, I need a ding. Games. You guys have more power. I need a ding. Every time someone says that, I need a, little, a ding. A little counter on the screen as well, too. All, all, all I have is the Price is Right horn, but that doesn't seem to fit right now. I mean, if you want to hit it, go ahead. Um all right so whenever greg was right we'll play that sound which is kind of fitting actually yeah that's how i feel um i lost my train of thought here um but having four games yeah canada day four games have it the full coast to coast weekend have your touchdown Atlantic, have a game in Ottawa, obviously, which you're not going to do on Canada Day itself. Someone was saying, why wouldn't you have a game on Canada Day in Ottawa? You don't want that, actually, because no. that, that's just a huge celebration. You let that be. Um, but have a doubleheader on Canada Day. But do maybe that's your touchdown Atlantic game is the early game on Canada Day. Then you have a game in the Prairies, wherever you want to have that. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, to me, it doesn't matter. And then you go to Winnipeg to close it out and don't have a game on the Monday. Like I get it. The, the, the stat was on the Saturday. So people are taking the Monday off or Canada day was on the Monday. So the stat is on Monday for some places it's Friday. Some places it's a really weird thing when it falls on, on the weekend where people get the stat, but on a Monday, like, I mean, the crowd was pretty good in Toronto and they retreated to one heck of a um, treat from their team. But I don't know why, like, you, you don't want a Monday game in the summer. To me, that's just, it's just, it was a fail. It was a great game. The crowd looked good. But overall, it was just, I wish there was more. It should have been the full Canadiana and celebrate this league and, and what it is and kick rouges all friggin' weekend for all I care. Just something, right? Like, it just, it ended up being a big fail. And the more I saw people talk about it, Again, the more I agreed with Greg. Feels so good. Feels so good. But here's here's the problem. So typically, if Canada Day is in the middle of the week, it kind of throws everything out the window. When it's on the weekend like this, what I would have done is do your Thursday night football, kick it off in Ottawa, nation's capital. You avoid that. Then yeah, then you do a game. You do touchdown Atlantic. You hit a game in the Prairie. Hit a game in BC. It's not hard. And then on week, and then on the candidate week when it's not on the weekend, same thing. Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday. Bob's your uncle, and you're done. Like I, like CFL, I'm here. Just hire me. I, I can tell you what to do. The biggest problem I had wasn't so much the location of the games; it was the fact that there was only three games. 
Well, that I too. wanted an entire weekend of football. Instead, I got Friday, Saturday, Monday. I don't think they could have done this worse if they were trying. Like it's not, it's not complicated. People want to celebrate Canada. They want to celebrate the CFL. Give them that opportunity. Make it a big deal. And highlight some of the greatest Canada Day games of all time or some of the best games of all time. Make it an event. And touchdown Atlantic that early in the season is a risk, and it's a risk they should absolutely take. I, I agree with that. And yeah, Greg, you're right. God, that's dirty. What? I hate that. What? What? Yeah. Really don't like that. I don't know. Steve's Steve's mic kind of went out there, so I didn't. I didn't. Really yeah, I know. It. Can you say that again? Sorry. Nope, I'm good. I don't know what you're talking but about. No, but seriously, though, like the fact that we've been saying this and everyone else has been saying this, I can't believe no one looked at the schedule and going, we're, we're, we're doing three games. That's all we're doing. We're doing three games on Canada Day weekend. And it just blows my mind that they, they didn't think it through. Well, we could find schedule flaws all day if we wanted like Toronto going on another bye week right away. Um, but, oh, here's the other thing I want to go. Sorry. I got I want to go back to that Toronto game. Great for Toronto. They had a good crowd, but why wasn't that not a matinee? If you're, if you're saying it's the stat, why are we, why are you pushing a late game in Toronto on a day when people have to go back to work the next day? That should have been an earlier scheduled game in my mind. That's a TSN have been a game on that Monday at all. That is Here. also true. <laughs> yeah. Put that on the Sunday anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. We'll get to our Churchill com- Brewing Company odds and end zones. And one second, let's, let's do officially. That. There, we, there you go. Um, let's start with that. I'm BC so glad people game. get to see the look on your face when you crack that beer. I hope everybody well, watched on YouTube. Yeah. Well, because I didn't want to break it on my keyboard, so I actually put extra concentration in it. What'd you go with? Uh, I'm drinking the Riverman Red today. I'm a creature of habit. Still Great the choice. lawnmower. All right, so starting with that BC-Toronto game, six interceptions for Vernon Adams. The Lions lose to the Argos. Everyone's saying... This is the VA that they expected. This was, you know, no, it's not exactly what they expected the whole time. So, is this the VA that you guys expected, or is this just a blip on the radar? It was a bad game, and the fact that he was out there after interception number four is terrible coaching. Even Ken Miller pulled Michael Bishop after interception number four. Like, this is, like, I, what was he thinking? Like, you have Dane Evans out there. Like, was Dane just reading a comic book in the corner? Like, why wasn't he out there at some point? Why are you making, and yeah, VA had good numbers, but obviously he was not seeing stuff right. Because some of those interceptions he threw were right at DBs. They weren't at his, at his players. I, I saw someone make a joke about, well, maybe VA is colorblind and the Argos light blue jerseys looks like, looks like dirty dishwater gray like the bc lions jerseys i'm like god i hope that's the case because some of those throws made no sense what, what do you say every quarterback has a bad game but this is not the vernon adams that we've come to expect anybody who says this is the adams they thought they would get this season 
is absolutely nuts. And I'd love to I'd love to see them pointed out from them saying it before it happened. Show me a tweet. If you were that confident, you would have said something. I haven't seen any of the receipts on any of those comments. But to not go to ver- to not go, sorry, to Dane Evans, when you have, we've talked about it, the best one-two punch in the league. Why did you bring Dane Evans in if not for that moment? Mop-up duty and games where VA just doesn't have it. Not tough. The fact that he was glued to the bench is a shock to probably anybody paying attention. I mean, it was still an 11-point game. It was it was within reach. So I get it. You don't take out your starting quarterback then. But, I mean, he just... it was To me, it wasn't the number of interceptions. It was the number of bad interceptions. Because a couple of them were just great defensive plays. There was, you know, a bounce. Ball goes up in the air, gets intercepted. You can kind of let those ones go. But it was just... There was four of them. More than half of the interceptions were just awful awful decisions. I don't know what he was seeing out of the defense, but that would be my concern. But one game against the defending Grey Cup champions who do have a very good defense, I'm not ready to say that, you know, this is the VA we're going to get for the rest of the year. Spoiler alert, I have an article coming out about my top five most outstanding player picks. Uh, I wrote that before that that game. And now it's scrapped because my number one guy was Vernon Adams. And after six interceptions, I can't justify putting a guy who just threw six picks as my MOP vote. So I'll have to change that up a little bit. But we're going to see better days from Vernon Adams, hopefully not in a couple weeks when the Riders play them. Um, But I think this is more just a blip on the radar and more of a testament to Toronto and Corey Mace for how he has that defense going. Oh, yeah. Toronto's defense is humming. Uh, they actually look pretty scary this year. I I am not giving Swag Kelly any respect <laughs> upon his name yet. Like I said, it could be worse. They could call him Chad. Chad's worse. I stand by Chad being worse. But I don't know. He, he looks like he's good, but he doesn't want to be here. So he's trying to find the fastest plane ticket out of here. So he's going to be good this year. Then what's Toronto going to do next year? Because... Behind him is not much. I don't know if you saw, but uh, his uncle was in the crowd on Monday afternoon or Monday night. That's what the team needs to do is bring out Jim Kelly as often as possible because fans south of the border are going to see that and go, oh, Jim Jim Kelly's there. Maybe this is something worth watching. That's a name they'll recognize. That's I'm actually really surprised. I'm surprised they didn't do an in-game interview with him. I'm really shocked by that. I, was black just, I just had to laugh. Uh, Tavares Daniels was because they had the TSN clip and they cut away from his celebration. He's like, no, not my Sally. Because they went to his, they went to him catching and started his celebration. They cut to Jim Kelly clapping in the stands. I, actually, I saw a few tweets from Americans that went to that Toronto game that were very impressed by the Canadian game. I'm hoping it continues because, yeah, Toronto's a big market, but they need to draw fans wherever they can find them. So if they can get a few Americans going, hey, this Canadian game is something, it could spread. Well, they're, and they're perfectly located. We talked about it last week. Right with right alongside Buffalo, having a Buffalo Legends nephew on the team is there's marketing there. Jump on it. Yeah, and with um I don't know where I'm going with this. Never mind. Um 
Oh, I was going to say Chad Kelly, just having, you know, winning again. Um, this goes to the point that Dave Naylor was making uh, a week or two weeks ago, where he said that Chad Kelly is the most important player in this league. Yeah, he wasn't lighting it up with touchdowns. He only threw for one when they scored 40 some odd points with a pick six and a punt return touchdown and a bunch of short yard rushing touchdowns. But his percentage was really good. He was making good decisions. He was making very good throws. And this is a guy who's only four starts in. I know, you know, the hardcore fans like us that are watching all the time are probably going to get really sick of hearing the name Chad Kelly and, and the media gushing all over him. But as long as the Argos keep winning, that's a great thing for this league because Chad Kelly's going to get all this media hype. And if he, it's honestly, it's just a good thing. It really, really is a good thing as much as we'll find it annoying. As a guy who once proclaimed Deron Carter is the face of the league, I can tell you, Dave Naylor, that's a brave decision. But no, yeah, Ch Chad Kelly is very important for the Toronto market. This league is only as strong as the Toronto market is, which is right now the weakest market. So yeah, you need all the, the all tied, what are the high tide races, all boats. Coincidentally enough, it's the Argos that are usually the anchor. So we need the Argos to do well so the entire league does well. And now that they actually are putting points on the board, they might get some fans in the stands and they might actually be something. Because unfortunately, winning typically winning a championship helps boost your fan base. Toronto's won many championships and it's done nothing. So something needs to break through. So if it's a player like Chad Kelly, then so be it. I always laugh when fans... <laughs> I always laugh when fans sit there and talk about, oh, let's just move the Argos. They don't have any fans. If the Argos ever leave Toronto, you can kiss the CFL goodbye. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You cannot survive without the biggest market in the country. No matter how poorly it might be attended, there's a TV audience there. TSN is there. That's where the money is. You, you need them to survive. And if it's Chad Kelly that does it, I would, I would rather they, they hang their hat on the beautiful mullet of uh, AJ Wallet, but you know that's just me. It's they've they've chosen Chad Chad Kelly to to rise to uh, to success. Hey, that Kentucky waterfall that Wallet's go got going, like we're talking like nineteen eighties Magnum TA NWA USA Championship quality. That is a great mullet. And of course, he's my new Bear Woods. He's my new favorite player, not on the Riders in the CFL right now. I love that guy. So more, more AJ Ouellette, please. Um, one of the other games last week, Bombers beating Montreal, um, as expected, right? But that win didn't impress me at all. Maybe it was just the monsoon, but I don't think Winnipeg's elite anymore. I think they're now the third best team in this league. Did that win impress you, even though they only gave up three points? Winnipeg is, they're not the beast they used to be. They are a step slower. They are, they are not what everyone feared going into the season. They're the old gunslinger that just can't seem to pull the trigger fast enough anymore. They can be got. They're still good, but they can be got. And I am not 
scared of him like I used to be. I I think it could be an interesting season in Winnipeg this year. Because Stanley Bryant does not look like the Stanley Bryant of old. He looks slow. He looks like he got blown, not this game, but the previous game. Like he looked like Stanley from the office asleep at his chair. Like he just was not there. He he was blown uh, blocks everywhere. Bombers are right for picking this year. I think it's going to be a long season for the blue and gold. Honestly, you started to see those cracks last year. They they may have finished 15 and three, but there was a lot of those games that could have gone either way. They just had that that championship swagger that, that pulled out the tight games. If they don't do that, you're going to see them fall back to that 10 and eight, 11 and seven, nine and nine, somewhere in that range. And you're going to see them continue to fall as long as they keep playing with the same roster year after year after year. You can't continue to get older and expect the same results in football. It's just not going to work. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli taking number one reps uh, this week, uh, ready to start against Hamilton from the sounds of it. One year to the date exactly of uh, his leg injury against the Riders here in Saskatchewan. Is this a savior moment for the Ottawa Red Blocks? Because everyone's treating it like, this major elite players coming back and he hasn't been that guy since you know 2015 what the sad part is i didn't think the red blacks looked that bad this week i really liked what uh adam tyree adams is that tyree that adams. yeah he he looked good this week and like i and i i believe that simone shouldn't lose his job yet off based off one game from tyree adams but it's it's kind of weird. You, you win your first home game in 13 tries, and then now you're going to put that guy on the bench, which I'm assuming he is he knew was coming. But it's just how long until the Red Blacks, if Simone doesn't come out f- flying and slinging, how long do Red Black till Red Blacks fans start freaking out? There's going to be a lot of people here wondering when Jeremiah Masoli changed his name to Simone, but. You know, that's uh, well, we'll let Greg have that one. You know, he's not always right, oh, well. contrary to popular belief. Uh, sorry, anyway. <laughs> Simone, my I, I gotta get the digs in when I can, as somebody known for you know, autocorrect errors. I, I gotta point out others every now and again, just to, but I, I don't see Masoli being the difference in auto. That is a bad football team. Jeremiah Masoli is not going to be the difference between them catching Montreal or they're, they're nowhere near Toronto. They are nowhere near the Montreal Alouettes right now. I don't even think they're near Hamilton and Hamilton is a bad football team. I think they still finish at the bottom of the East and it won't be, it won't be because of anything Masoli has done. It's just, he's not enough. Not even close. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve. He's he's good, but I mean, he was playing well last year and they still didn't have any wins. So to me, they're a worse off team than they were last year with their roster. He's not going to come in and immediately change what they have there. Great guy. I really like him. He's good for the CFL. We need the healthy court. We need healthy quarterbacks. And it's good that he's back. Hopefully it makes him a little bit more competitive uh, in more of their games. But 
I just, outside of Edmonton, I don't see who they can beat right now. They're just that bad of a football team against any other of the seven teams. I would wager a large amount that Ottawa would not win home or away. It doesn't matter to me. It, it's weird how already teams are starting to pull to be where they need to be. Like Ottawa and Edmonton, that game this past weekend was, I, I watched it just for the circus of it because I couldn't tell you what was going to happen. Like both teams couldn't lose. Someone had to pull it out. And then of course you have BC, you've got Winnipeg and Toronto. You got Montreal and Saskatchewan knocking on the door. And then Calgary, no one knows what they are right now because of injuries. It, it's, it's funny. It's It's weird. It's funny. I was looking before we were recording. I took a quick look at the standings and as they are right now is exactly how I expect them to be when the regular season ends in November. You're going to have Toronto at the top. There's really no question there in anybody's mind. BC looks like the team to beat in the West. Winnipeg will be right behind them, but they're falling behind and Saskatchewan looks like the, I don't want to say the afterthought, but the kind of the lagging behind playoff spot in the West. It's weird to see that, you know, line up so easily three weeks into the season, but or four weeks, I suppose. But here we are. All right. And one more thing here on the uh, odds and end zones. Um, and Greg, you wanted to bring this up. Terry Jones making comments saying uh, basically change the name from the Elks back and give people a vote uh, if they buy a season ticket to get them to change the name back. Um, so Greg, I'll let you go ahead and share your thoughts here. I, I'm actually calmed down to where I was the other day. So this might not be as fun as it was in the DM. <clears throat> but Terry, meet me at camera three. Dude, give it up. Just move on. Like I am done talking about the old name and how it's the name that's the problem. It's not. You have no quarterback. You've got no offensive line. Your team is brutal. That is not what. That, that is what's keeping people away. Not the fact that they can have Eskimos blazed across their chest. It's not. Move on. I am done with this argument. And then of course he's like blocking anyone who disagrees with him. Although he can't, he can't figure out how to block people that quote tweet him apparently because I can still see his terrible terrible takes. But he's blocking anyone who replied to him. Thanks, Grandpa. But like, I am done with this. Like, There's so many people that are saying it's because they changed their name. It's the woke mind virus. Like, come on. And it doesn't matter if they're called the Green Golds, the, El the Elements, the Elk Hounds, the Elks, the Eclipse, Empire, whatever they were going to call the team, it doesn't matter. If the team can't play, it doesn't matter what they're called. So can we just move on? Because the fact that we have to debate this year after year after year after year, the team kept all of its championships. The team kept all its records. So what is the problem? I don't get it. You just said it, Greg. What is their problem? It's the championships. They're still stuck in the 80s when they were the city of champions, when they were winning Grey Cups and when they were winning Stanley Cups with the Oilers. Everybody still thinks that's the standard. That's not. That's just, I mean, there's way too much parody across sports now. They're not, they haven't been that way for almost 40 years. 
yes, they won in the nineties. Yes. They won in the two thousands. They won uh, in 2015 as well with, with Michael Riley as their quarterback since then, once he left to BC, they've been awful. And that's the problem is they don't have the quarterback finally, you know, behind him, but everybody expects them to be champions within a couple of years. Cause that's what they've always had. And I think that's the biggest issue. And then you have that side, the right side that is obviously going with the, the wokeness side of it and saying that it's the name. It's not like it, they could be called whatever. And you're right. It's damn it. Greg was right again. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's that, that that's not the way it is. It's just a bad football team, but they're used to that. And I think that's the, one of the, one of the things there. But he's blaming the name on people not being in the stands. That is garbage. And here, here's the, here's the thing. He, he might be right though. I guarantee you if Victor Quee came out tomorrow going, we're selling season tickets. Everyone who buys a season ticket gets to make a choice on the team name they would fill Commonwealth stadium because there's that many people that would just do it to get a vote and then either not go to the game or give up their season ticket a year later. Just because they want to stick it to the people that, because they think they felt wrong because a goddamn football team changed his name. It's ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I can't believe we have to talk about it three years later. Does the conversation go away when they finally win a game at home in 2026? No. Like, at what point do we end this conversation and say, this is the team name deal with? And I'll tell you when that is. It's going to be never. There are always going to be people complaining. And even if they win titles, they'll say, we would have won it sooner if we wouldn't have changed the name. Like, I don't understand how a name correlates to victories on the field. If somebody could point that out to me, I would love to see the, the change. Or see how that has any effect. It's the guys on the field, and the guys on the field are just not good. But it's period. but here, but now they're not even correlating to that. They're correlating to tickets sold. Well, the team has won less than half its games since played. It hasn't won a home game in eighteen games. You're not going to sell tickets to that. You're just not. Like if. I would yes, yes. When we when the riders were very bad, we went to every game just to boo our team because that's what we did. Because that was the only thing to do in Regina at the time. So be it. Oh, and to say ballsy sucks. That was all that, that was our only form of entertainment around here. Was either that or a ball on a stick. Like that's all we had. Because I'm apparently old. Hey, he's ready. So, <laughs> but today you need to put on a team that w- uh, puts on at least a competitive game winning solves everything in sports always has always will and a story they could win the next five gray cups as the pink unicorns i guarantee you they would sell out and i don't want to see them change the name to the pink unicorns now yeah that'd be great actually um, my biggest issue with this whole thing is Terry Jones himself. I can appreciate and respect what he's done for this league in the past. And ever since he was kind of forced out of his position, um, he's been even worse and he should have been retired 
10, 15 years before that, truthfully. Um, when you brought this up, I was like, great. We have to talk about Terry Jones. Awesome. Love that. I wish this guy would just go away. Just be a fan, watch the games, and stop trying to stir stuff up. But Here's the thing, though. So, of course, I was bored. I was at the lake. I decided to search Terry's Twitter. He made the same arguments six months ago, got no traction because it was at the end of the season. No one cared. Like it, the tweets were almost verbatim. So yeah, he he suckered me in. I'm not gonna lie, he suckered me in. He 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 honey trapped me. Good for you, Terry. But this is all he wants. This is this is we are giving him what he wants right now, and so be it. He, the good news is Grandpa can't figure out his cell phone, so he won't be able to find this podcast. But it's right it's, beside the it's quote ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right beside, beside the quote, the quote button. Button. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you can't figure that out. So, so be it. Terry Jones, may we never talk about you again. And you, you and your troll tweets, I will gladly smack you down every time. But the good news is, Twitter won't be here in like two months anyway. So, good luck. Good luck trying to figure out the next social media. I'm just trying to picture Terry Jones opening a Blue Sky account. That's gonna. What are all these extra letters behind my name? Because he's he's gonna be so mad trying to figure out his username. He will not be able to figure it out. Put him on Mastodon trying to figure find his server. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to uh, talking about the Elks on the field here against the Riders this upcoming Thursday, uh, Thursday night with uh, the Northern Pikes playing at halftime for Retro Night. I know uh, you guys are super pumped about that. I actually like the Northern Pikes. I'm not going to slam on them like I did the whole Kim Mitchell thing. And I like Kim Mitchell too. Um, but it's, it's not gonna be pretty. It's just gonna look that way. That's all I know. Yeah, exactly. The things they'll do for money. I'll never understand. Um, <laughs> Steve, Steve, that's Steve, I'm so glad song. people can see this now. I'm so glad they can see this now. Just you guys see what I have to put up with. Um, but let's talk about the rider side of things right now with, let's start it's got to start up front with the offensive line we're going back to basically pretty much what we had to start the season before uh gerald hawkins came back who we actually didn't mention Ger- gerald hawkins tore his quad um dickinson confirmed that on on monday and he's going to be out a while which means the year he's not coming back this year i cannot see that happening at all no. um but it's going to be brandon council uh left tackle Evan Johnson at left guard, Logan Bandy that we mentioned at center, Logan Ferland at right guard, and Eric Lofton at right tackle. So almost what we had to begin the season. Um, the good news is I don't think Council and Lofton did bad in those first two games. Did they light the world on fire? No, absolutely not. Um, but it could be a lot worse. We could be stuck with what we had last year. If you're going to miss out on Colin Kelly and uh, Peter Godber for a game, thank God it's against the Edmonton Elks. I mean, they showed, these guys showed they could handle their own week one against the same lineup. I'm not as concerned as I would be were we going up against BC or Calgary or Winnipeg, you know, somebody that can rush the quarterback. Edmonton has shown they have no, they, they make us look like a pressure filled team. 
I'm I'm not too concerned about that O line. And it'll be good to to see Council and Lofton get a little more work. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do for one more game. Jake Weineke, good to be out as well, too. We mentioned Kalija uh, Lipscomb getting his reps with the starters, even though he's questionable. Um, but does that kind of worry you guys in this game? Because just going to what Steve said, if there's going to be a game that we're going to have Weineke sit out and have two raw rookies play, it might as well be against the Elks, which I don't want to say is guaranteed win night, but it's as close as you're ever going to get to anything right now in the CFL. Um with going with Kendall Watson, Lipscomb, Sean Bain Jr., Tevin Jones, and Sam Emelis. I still like our receivers. Like, yeah, Wanneke being out, but once again, like we mentioned off the top, he's not a focal point in this offense. It was Bain. If it was Jones, it was Emelis, I'd be a little more, okay, now who's going to step up? But Wanneke is legit the fourth option, so I'm not overly concerned right now. And you know what? Edmonton's missing a couple of guys in their defensive backfield, including Ed Ganey out. Uh, I think he's on the sixth game. So, I mean, again, if they're going to miss going up against a, a hurting and weak Elks uh, defense to give these guys a chance to to get some in li- or live in-game reps is never a bad thing. Let's see what these guys have. All right. Well, that's uh, someone who's questionable right now. And you could have said this uh, before for a lot of people, Brett Lothar with a leg injury. Um, I'm assuming he's probably going to play, but if he doesn't, who is the kicker? Because Adam Corsak's pretty much a punter only. Do they bring back Kari Vedvik? I looked it up today. Kari Vedvik is over one in professional uh, field goals with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he didn't actually kick field goals until his last year at Marshall. And he went 10 for 16. So he is 10 for 17 all time under uh, live fire uh, field goal kicks. So he can do it. Do we want him to do it? I don't know. Um, but once again, I'm sorry, can he do it at yeah. 10 and 17? Can he really that's that's better than fifty percent. I mean, there's some that would say that's more likely than Brett Lothar making a field goal so far this year. So I mean, that that feels almost like an improvement. Frankly, if he needs to go for a game to get healed up after bye week, and he's still banged up, because obviously something's been wrong with him the way he's been kicking. Maybe you do put him out this game, and then you just go for two point conversions, and you pray you don't have to use Vedvik. But I don't know. Like, and, but that's what has me thinking that he's going to kick is if they would have had him sit out this game, uh, coming out after a bye, give him an extra week to be healthy, then they would have brought somebody in. David Soley probably would have been called and they would have put him on the roster for one game. So that to me just tells me that it's going to be Lothar, but that's one of those things I'm definitely going to be watching at this game is maybe even just on kickoffs just to see how he you know, is attacking those and, and how he looks there. Because when it comes to a field goal, if it's 35 plus yards, I used to be just fully confident in him and 50 plus. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a really good chance of making this now 35 plus. 
I don't have that confidence in Lothar anymore. So I, 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 I mean, I think the riders are going to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than it probably needs to be just based off all these injuries. And if it comes down to like last week where the riders needed four points from Brett Lothar, those four points sure would have came in handy at the end of the game. That, I mean, how many times are they going to get away with it? I'm just concerned that if you keep him kicking when he's injured, especially a leg injury on a kicker, if it's his plant leg, that's even worse. So the more time he gets to heal up, the better. Once again, though, you don't want to go into a game not knowing who's your kicker. So I don't know. David Soley didn't impress me in the preseason. So them not bringing him in doesn't concern me as much. But I don't know. I think he needs to heal up. And on the other side of things, Taylor Cornelius back as QB1 for the Elks um, as the carousel of quarterbacks for Chris Jones continues. Jeez, I felt like Rob Benson with all the C's that I used in that uh, um, sentence. My goodness. I've been reading too much of his stuff and his headlines. Um, But, I mean... I never understood benching him when they did um, considering he played that first half against Toronto. They were down by one point and he didn't look terrible. And then it was off the rails after that. And then I didn't see the game last week, uh, the Edmonton Ottawa game because I was going to blink 182. Um, but it didn't well, look let me like catch you up. Diggy looked terrible and they kept on rolling him out there. He looked worse than Cornelius did. And they left Cornelius on the bench. So I don't know what Chris Jones is doing. And everyone in Edmonton media is freaking out because they don't think he knows Chris Jones knows what he's doing with these quarterbacks. They think he's doing more damage than he actually is fixing it. This I guess point, we'll find what out does this Trey Ford have to do to get back on the roster as a starting quarterback? Was he American not passport? the guy before he got hurt? But he was the guy, right? And then he got hurt. Two games. He he had two really good games. weren't yeah. that good stat wise, but yeah, they had two victories under Trey Ford. Then he got hurt, and then now. And they just can't seem to. He just can't seem to get back on the roster. And this constant rolling between Cornelius and the next guy, and then Cornelius and the next guy, and let's see what Kyle Oxley's got. But all oh, well, we're only going to play him for one play, and then he fumbles and. He's released. What are they even doing in Edmonton? What what has Chris Jones done to improve that roster since he took over? We always see the the move, you know, the first year you know is going to be awful because he's cutting everybody, bringing in 600 guys, and eventually he gets his roster the way he likes it. But he hasn't done that in Edmonton. They're, they're looking at it right now. They might be worse than when he took over. And there, there's no depth there for them to continue to grow. I I don't know what he's doing. And rolling Cornelius out again when he had no success against us in week one is, is questionable at best. But you also can't roll out Daggy after his performance last week. So what do you do? What What is the right move at this point? I wanted Daggy. 
I really wanted Daggy. He could have he could have avenged his brother by coming to Saskatchewan. Bring back Seth, Seth Daggy for Legends Night. Yeah, it so is he can be in the night. house. It is oh, retro night. Um. So with Chris Jones, does this start to the season zero and four? Um. If they lose this game, go to 0 and 5. Does this really put him on the hot seat? Uh, Three Down Nation has an article out about his contract, and it's four separate one year contracts that he actually has. Um, so it's to me, that feels like it's easier to sever ties. But is this, is this the time for uh, Victor Kui and the Elks Brass to step in? Maybe not necessarily get rid of Chris Jones, the GM or sorry, the head coach, but get rid of Chris Jones, the GM, because the guys he's bringing in simply aren't good enough. Cause you can just kind of slide G Roy Simon into that role. I think that's an easier thing to do than just completely blow it up. Get rid of Chris Jones, the coach, likely all his buddies that are his coaches as well. Cause I don't know anybody else that would want to keep him, but with the, the cap for the coaches and all that kind of stuff, you're kind of strapped and, and stuck where you are. But how how hot is that seat that Chris Jones is on? It's hot, but I don't know what they can actually do. Because even with those one-year contracts, moving sliding G-Roy over is not going to change things immediately. G-Roy Simon is the assistant general manager. You would have to hope that Chris Jones is lending an ear to G-Roy going, what do you think about this guy? Because if not, what's the point of even having G-Roy there? I, th- they're, they're stuck with Chris Jones. And that has always been the problem with Chris Jones. The writers actually got off fairly easily considering he left because they couldn't fire him. And in fact, when he went out, he made, made sure he did it in the most Chris Jones way possible by signing all of his buddies to ex- extensions, then pulling the parachute. So I don't know what the Elks can do because Chris Jones legit holds all the cards. Yeah, they can fire him, but it's going to be very hard on them to clean up after him. Hell, the writers are still technically dealing with the fallout of Chris Jones. That's how we got stuck with Dickey. O'Day was always the plan at some point, but you gun, gun to everyone's head, no one thought Craig Dickinson was ever going to be a head coach in this league, especially at that point. So, I, I don't know. I can't see any situation where they fire Chris Jones, the general manager and still keep Chris Jones, the head coach. I think if you, if you cut him from one, you have to cut ties entirely because I don't, I'm looking at him and I don't see him having the, what's the word for it. I don't, I don't think he could take the ego hit and stick around as a head coach after being fired. Like this, there's no way that happens. The only way he's, coming up to the CFL now is as a head coach and general manager. You take one of those positions away, he's walking away. So, God damn it, Greg was right again. I don't see them cutting ties at this point, but there's no way the next year Chris Jones is your general manager head coach, and he has to know that at this point. If this season continues the way it is, I, I would expect he would resign before they fire him at year's end. Because this is not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the Elks. 
There, there's no winning there. The best thing that could happen for the Elks is he's got an escape clause like he had for the Riders, and someone comes knocking from the NFL or the NCAA. I don't see it happening the way things are going and the way things happen in Cleveland and the fact that he went to a high school and it was his dream job and he dropped those kids like a bad habit when he got a call from the CFL. But hey, things can happen. The Elks are screwed. End of story. The Elks are screwed. All right. With all that said, let's uh, get to our picks this week, starting off on Thursday night with uh, Edmonton in Saskatchewan. Do you, are we doing the opening current line or did you look it up? Uh, I have no idea what it is. Okay, let's do this. I spread. was too busy looking up how many hot dogs Joey Chestnut was going to eat today. Uh, he, for he, he hit over... the under, the under hit. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, that he was an easy under. one. That was an easy one. He didn't even try. He barely got year. Yeah. He's still the king. I don't care what anybody imagine, says. It's the imagine best when an off year. Sports. I tried to explain to my wife today why he's the most dominant athlete of our generation. And I don't think I don't think she understood. I don't he understand. He says competitive eating I, is I not is. an athlete. I, it, I I can't get it. I can't get it through my head either. All right. Spread. Okay. Opening spread, current spread between Saskatchewan and Edmonton. Anyone want to guess? Six and a half. Alex? Yeah, five and a half. It opened at seven and a half. It is still seven and a half. However, the money line has moved. So the money line started at minus 286 for the riders. It is now 315. So that tells you everyone is putting their money on the riders to win outright. I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why either. I but mean, yeah, they, spread, should, the, they should cover a seven and a half. On paper, they should absolutely. I just, I have just too many concerns about the injuries that the riders have right now. And I feel this, I mean, I thought week one was going to be a trap and it almost ended up being that way. If not for a third or th- uh, goal line stand from the riders, um, spread wise, I'm taking Edmonton. The riders still win though. I'm taking rider outright and spread. Yeah. I'm, I'm I think, taking, I think it's 10 points. Spread. I think uh, I think a Kari Vedvik uh, field goal is going to win it for us on the spread. On the spread. All right. Um, All right. Calgary, Winnipeg. Winnipeg minus six and a half to start, and is still at six and a half. I'm going to say five and a half. Five and a half. Uh, start at seven and a half. Still is seven and a half. Once again, though, money line is moving, uh, except it's going in the opposite way. Uh, Winnipeg started at minus 385. They're now minus 310. So that means Calgary is uh, getting some money on them. Wow. Why? I have no idea. That that blew me away when I saw that. I mean, that cannot be right. Who is but looking at this weird... game and putting anything on, on Calgary? But here's the weird thing. Calgary's money line's going up. So Winnipeg's going down to minus 310, which means they're less of a favorite. But Calgary's money line's going up to plus 260. So there's some there's some bookies trying to get their money in order. So either way, Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Win- Winnipeg straight up. Like, 
and I don't think it's more of a testament of where Winnipeg's at because I still feel that they're very beatable this year. Um, I think that's more of a testament to where Calgary is and all the injuries they have, especially on offense. Um, I know they're getting Reggie Bagleton back, but there was uh, rumors going around that Jake Mayer was going to land on the six-game list. Obviously, that didn't happen, um, but he's not right. And even when he's healthy, he's not that good. So, uh, yeah, Winnipeg, easily. They brought back Mark and Mitchell. That's That's got to be the difference, right? That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that will flip the field completely. Winnipeg, straight up. Give me any spread. Ottawa and Hamilton. Where'd it start? Where's it now? Oh, jeez. And uh, Hamilton. Hamil- Hamilton minus two. Oh, I don't know. Is it in Hamilton? In Hamilton. Minus, oh. I know the fans aren't winning this one. Minus three and a half for Hamilton. You guys are close. It was minus two and a half. Still is minus two and a half. Although money's coming in on Hamilton because it started at minus 161. It's now minus 145. Oh, I think I think that's exactly where it's at. I, I think it's going to be a field goal game. Yeah, I think so too. I just don't know which way. I don't think Mazzoli is good enough to change the fortune around in, in Ottawa, but Hamilton's not looking good. Maybe unless well, they play desperate. Kai they signed Kai Loxley. Yeah. Oh, man. Ah, Hamilton. Why not? Coming off the bye. I'm going to take Ottawa. I'm going to take Ottawa. I think as much as I made fun of, you know, Masoli not being the difference, I think he will actually be the difference in this game and games against Edmonton. That is it. There you go. And finally, Montreal at BC. Where do you start? Where, where is it now? Oh, who am I taking? I'm taking uh, Hamilton. And I'm taking the spread on that one, too. I think uh, they're going to make the uh, hometown fans happy. Montreal and BC. Where'd it start? Where is it now? Started uh, minus five and a half for BC. Now it's at uh, four and a half. Yeah, four. I'm going to go five and a half all the way. BC. Uh, minus, minus six and a half. BC start. It's now at minus seven. So BC's getting absolutely hammered. Uh, BC started at minus uh, 250 on the money line. They're at minus 300. Montreal is now at plus 250. They started at plus uh, 210. So a lot of money is coming in on BC, and I don't think they're wrong because an East team coming out West usually is a rough time. The BC travel one point for every Vernon Adams interception is a bit, uh, that's a bit friendly in my eyes, but it's pretty close. But versus how many interceptions, uh, sorry, how many uh, sacks is Cody going to take? <laughs> that was going to be my point here. BC with uh, Matthew Betts has looked incredible. And he's going to be on my MOP list uh, when that article comes out because he's been the best player on what was the best defense going into that Toronto game. And <laughs> a bad O-line in Montreal with happy feet Fajardo. Oh man, he might get sacked 12 times. I'm not joking. Uh, he I, might actually get sacked 12 times. I, I know I made a joke about how the uh, usually defensive player of the year is the guy with the most sacks, but Matthew Betts is playing in a different level this year and not just the sacks. Like he is all over the field from his position. He's blocking 
He's blocking the balls. He's getting passing lanes. He's taking down runners. He is playing above everyone else on the defensive side of the ball. He's playing very well. well and yeah, against that against that Montreal offensive line, it's he's going to eat all night. And with bets, to me, it's been consistency. You look up the stat leaders, and if you take away, to me, it's always you take away. You can that find one those, or you take the big game away, right? Um, I saw what it was after week three, and I'm guessing after this. Um, but you know, you take away. You know, the three interception, the league leader in interceptions is a guy in Toronto that just had three against Vernon Adams, right? You take away that, he has nothing. So he has nothing in two games prior. But Betts has been so consistent throughout all four games that BC's had um, to have six sacks. It's not like one game he had four and then nothing, nothing, one and one. It's been two, one, one, two. Like he's been very, very solid all the way across. And that, to me, that's the difference is... If you're getting that consistent play out of your D line, that's going to make a big difference. And yeah, it's to me this one's not even not even going to be close. It's BC easily, couple touchdowns. Like like Christina said, we're finally seeing Montreal up against the real competition, and we're seeing who they really are. They're the second best team in a weak division. I don't think, like you said, this is going to be all that close. I take Montreal or BC and the spread. That's what I'm doing. You're gambling locks here on the Piffles podcast. I, I need a giant lock. Now that we're on video, I need a giant. I need the old, and that's my lock of the week. Well, that's a mighty big lock. Or the big shoe, the shoe in of the week. Yes. There's my Rams helmet of the week. Hmm. Doesn't have the same ring to it. My Dickerson of the week. This week, Craig. Next week, Dave. <laughs> Dickerson. Oh, my bad. Their long lost brother, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the. Uh, I think that's going to do it this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Now that we're making really bad, bad, bad jokes correlations and jokes yeah it's i think it's time that we we shut her down uh piffles podcast brought to you by our great friends at dairy queen on elvenstone street and sass drive in regina always thanks go out to kathy festion of royal page regina realty and churchill brewing company odds and End. churchill brewing company for their support making this show possible um and of course smash that subscribe button yeah, exactly. And always uh, thanks to Tyler Gilbert as well for giving us this beauty as we leave you. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind.